it's nice for you to become come more prepared than me. <laughs> I like to make lists. Then. Well, Chris Berry told me when I was talking to him on the phone, he said, she's going to come prepared. And I was like, good, because I'm not prepared at all. That <laughs> motherfucker. Are we allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, totally, totally. Okay. Did Chris Berry tell you that he calls me a grandma? Well, he didn't tell me that he calls you a grandma, but he did call you a grandma today <laughs> when uh, I was talking to him on the phone. He <laughs> said, she's like an old person in a young person's body. I really am. Yeah? Like, my joints are old people. My mm-hmm. bladder's old people. I carry, like, Band-Aids and caramels in my purse. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I think you probably would relate to my wife a little bit then. She's old people in that she has hand sanitizer everywhere. Yes. And whenever I've ever needed any type of, like, pharmaceutical when we've been out, she's definitely had it. Benadryl. Mm. Sudafed. Sudafed. <laughs> which was weird because... One, I never remember taking Sudafed as a young child. The tiny little red pills. Mm-hmm. I never remember taking that. Yeah. And then one day I was having some allergy issues and she busted out a Sudafed and I was like, whoa. Or I was congested, I guess. Yeah. I used to work in a pharmacy, so I had some that I'd left over. And like when I got down to my last one and I had to give it to Tim, I was like, this is the last one. If this doesn't help you, I'm going to kill you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to like keep up with. How much you get, they they track it, like mm-hmm. by your driver's license. Well, yeah, because like, yeah. you can make meth with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a problem. She also um, smells like an old person, my wife. Do you want her to hear you say that? Oh, I've told her that to her face. <laughs> Whenever we go to bed, she has like this skin regimen, and it's very adorable. Is it Pons? I don't have a clue. I don't know what it is. I just know uh-huh. it smells. Like sometimes at night when I'm snuggling up next to her, I imagine that she has on like, like curlers in with like a cap on and then like a long floral her old lady nightgown yeah nightgown with like fuzzy slippers (laughs) yeah because that's exactly how she smells (laughs) i haven't got to that level yet but it might happen someday well that's nothing compared to what she has to smell living with me so i'll live with it she it smells pleasant boys are gross yeah i'm pretty gross (laughs) i'm pretty gross for real uh and i knew it before i got married uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was aware that I was gross before I got married. But in the grand scheme of things, actually, I kind of thought of myself as being clean. Because uh-huh. I think I am actually kind of tidy. Uh, but no, actually, I am. I'm, I'm dirty and gross. And I didn't realize it until I lived with my wife. Until she starts, she mm-hmm. meticulously manicures things. She has like a eight-minute pre-bedtime ritual. Yeah, I think all girls do. You I don't. don't. I just go you to don't. bed. You just go to bed? What if you were walking through the yard and your feet's dirty? Do you just like just go to bed with them dirty or do you wash them off? No, yeah, I'd go to bed with them dirty. Would Tim do that? No. You don't think so? Uh-uh. He doesn't have like dirty streaks where his feet go in the bed? No. Really? No. I definitely have that. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's in the Navy and they had to like keep things a certain level of neatness, but. That's right. Well, we'll talk about Tim. So let's go ahead and let's jump right into this. So Aaron. Yes. You are a unique guest. You have the f- one. Well, I don't know if you're the first person who's volunteered, but you're definitely the first person who volunteered, and then I just jumped right in, and bam, we did the podcast like three days later. Nice. So that's really going to be, I think, going to be fun. You're also a fan. Yes, I am. Which is interesting because I don't think that's actually a thing that exists. (laughs) It is if you're like in the group of people like enough to know people's personalities and like Mm -hmm. how they are, and you can get some of the, the references sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I liked a lot of the episodes. Well, see, here's the thing that you have a privilege. You're friends with the person who I would almost consider like 
the chronologist. Is that a thing where you collect stories? Chronologist? Uh, sure. Chris Berry. He has a great memory. Is he, and he's the he's the person in the group of my close group of friends who's most concerned with collecting and saving all of the funny and interesting stories that took place when we were younger. Yeah. So if you're friends with him, it's very highly likely that a lot of the funny tales that my friends will tell you have heard before through Chris. Yep, I sure have. Uh, the one where Casey got run over. Mm. Um, the one where you danced around in the locker room. I'd heard that one before, like kind of naked. That one's a shameful one for me. It's <laughs> hilarious. Don't don't be ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot about you guys before I even met you. Yeah, mm. and that was so weird. You know, when I visited Chris in New York City, I met all these people who were from New York City, and I'm feeling kind of like a country bumpkin. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. And they all, all these motherfuckers knew who I was already because Chris had told them about me. I mean, that's how we know each other is we met through Chris Berry. Yeah. Which is why we're talking about him now. But um, I'm sure that there was a lot of things that happened in your life before you met Chris Berry, whether he <laughs> wants to admit it or not. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. I did have a life before him. Um, them. But I grew up in a very small town, and I graduated with 63 people in my class. Wow. What's, that? What's the name of your town? Burksville. Burksville, Kentucky. Kentucky, Cumberland County, the Aww. Panthers. We had the same mascots. You know, I went, really? Yeah, Panthers. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I went to the University of the Cumberlands. That's close to where my grandparents live. Really? In Corbin. Like um, Whitley County. I think it's Williamsburg is what they actually call it. Williamsburg's the town. The yeah. town, yeah. That was the rival for Whitley County, I think. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so that's, I am familiar with that area. So, Burksville. Burks, Vegas. Burks, Vegas. Is that what you got? Was there casinos there? No. Oh, yeah. There were not even any drive throughs. <laughs> like, there's no McDonald's. So, a super tiny town. Super. One stoplight. It's no Walmart. No Walmart. I was about to ask yeah. if there was a Walmart. No. You had to go at least 30 minutes away to get to a Walmart. And that's why I wanted to go to college at Western uh -huh. because it was far enough away from home that I could get away with not visiting my family every weekend because <laughs> <laughs> I was in the city. I was going to do fun things. You're in the city of, of, of Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where we went to go to the movies and go on dates and oh, go yeah. shopping and mm -hmm. And I actually met a girl I worked with at the bookstore. I worked at the bookstore four years um, at Western, and she was from Louisville. So she, she used to be able to do whatever she wants to do and go shopping places. And she moved to Bowling Green for college. She was like, there's nothing to do around here. I'm like, bitch, <laughs> <laughs> you, this is the life. You don't even understand. There's a Target. <laughs> Target is my happy place. Uh, so many people feel that way. Yeah. But I think, yeah, because you told me earlier, like, you pretty much grew up on a farm, right? Yeah, pretty much. I wasn't, I played sports, so I didn't have to help with the farm things. Nice. I never learned how to drive a tractor. I've ridden mules and horses before, but I'm allergic to them. Mm. Um, but yeah, I had to help with some things. We did tobacco until I was like 10, so I had to help strip and gather the leaves and stuff. And... Shuck corn, break beans. That's fun. We, but what did you do for fun then? <laughs> um, I read books. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, pretty nerdy, so I read all the Harry Potters multiple times. Yeah, me too. And before boys came into the picture, I just stayed at home and enjoyed sleeping in. Nice. There was not a shit thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But you had siblings, right? You have a younger brother, right? I have a younger brother and a younger sister. sister. Yeah, my brother's 23 and my sister's 13. Gotcha. Really? Wow, that's cool. So you've got quite a a significantly younger sibling. What's that like? It's awkward (laughs) because it was freshman year of high school that... um, She was conceived? Yeah, and so all the boys in my class already thought my mom was hot. Which is awkward by itself, but then we they're will like, have to share a picture of her on the Facebook group now. Oh, please no. <laughs> um, she's already wanting to listen to this podcast, and I'm like, well, it depends on what we talk about. <laughs> but yeah, she That's was fair. born when I was a freshman, and all the guys were like, "So that means your parents had sex?" I'm like, "It's usually how you make a baby." Yeah, so did yours, <laughs> jerk. How do you think Asshole. you got here? That's funny. I bet yeah. it's it's interesting now though because like I taught high school and middle school age kids. And there's such an interesting generational divide between even like 13 and 30 year olds. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's 17 years. Mm-hmm. So, what's it like having a super young sibling? She is on her phone a lot. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's a bad thing because that's the only way she can stay connected with her friends right now. Um, but she finds a lot of niche nerd things that I wouldn't have found without her. Like I introduced her to Harry Potter at a young age and she just finds the most interesting things to, to look at. There's like YouTubers. Mm -hmm. She loves those. And they like do challenges where they have to like swing, see how long they can swing. That's the last thing she showed me. And this guy swung for like 12 hours. Just on like, just like a swing just set? Like on a, yeah, it was like a swing in this warehouse type deal. And like the guy was going to give him $10,000 if he could stay on there longer than this other guy. And like after a while, if your legs aren't touching the ground, they go numb. Yeah. 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 So he, I've had that experience on the toilet. Uh, yeah. Same, same concept. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's, it's different. She's got, she's in, oh my gosh, the 90s fashion that has come back in style. I don't know if you noticed it, but I've really noticed... How that's come back. How, like, like grungy. Yes. And she's into that. And yeah. I'm like, that's so weird. And also, like, it's interesting because there were so many styles in the 90s. Like, there's emo. And those all are kind of coming back in different places. And they're coming back in places you wouldn't expect. Really? Yeah. Like, there's definitely an emo hip-hop kind of culture oh, that exists. That sounds cool. A little bit. It's a little bit cool, yeah. Oh. Uh, so... That's an interesting difference between you, though, and your younger sibling, because I'm assuming she also still lives, like, on a farm, right? No, my parents got divorced when I went to college, so they both remarried. So she lives with my mom, like, a county over, not very far, but they don't have a farm, so she doesn't... So not rural or anything like that? It's still rural. Rural? But not trapped alone? Yeah, she's really close to the town over there, Albany. Um, she's not as country. She doesn't have to do as many chores and she's Mm -hmm. a little bit spoiled rotten. So was the name of your elementary school Burksville Elementary School or was it, was it a Cumberland Elementary School? Cumberland County. Ah, Cumberland County Elementary School. All the surrounding counties were also like Adair County, Metcalf County, Clinton County. So I was like, oh, that's just how it is throughout all of Kentucky. Sure. Every county has a school. Yeah. And so when I thought about like the bigger places i just imagine this like castle that all the kids had to go to <laughs> yeah <laughs> like hogwarts just to, like fit yeah. all the kids in. the empire state building just must be a school <laughs> yeah it's for just like all the elementary schools yeah yeah <laughs> that makes a lot of this perfect sense of course it does because <laughs> only i mean if you're one county why would you have more than one school it does it that's just illogical <laughs> duh 
And, and so how many people, how many, like, it's weird to me to even think that there could just be one elementary school. Yeah. Because usually you have at least two or three elementary schools. Yeah. So you must have had a really small, like, class of people. Yeah. My class was about 63 people, like I said, but then the class behind us got closer to 100. Mm. Yeah. So they were stepping on up. But the elementary school is, <laughs> it's it's probably the biggest building in town, like besides really? the courthouse. Yeah. It's got three stories. <laughs> okay. Three whole stories. And it's got an elevator. And yeah, they all fit in there. The kindergarten building is different. Like it's to the side. Mm -hmm. That's how small my town is. That's okay. That's kind of cool because it's really interesting. And did you say that you went to this with with the same sixty three kids? Yeah. And everybody graduated. Mm, we lost couple people to teen pregnancy in middle school. Wow. Because it's a small county. But yeah. So before, so say like elementary school with all the people that were going to stay there, probably had close to seventy. But then, and then you end up with sixty three. Nobody died, though. Well, that's good. Like, we didn't have those vacant chairs in the back for the people that had passed away. They do that? Yeah. My cousin's class, she was a class ahead of me, and they had two chairs in the back, one for a girl that overdosed on pills, I guess. In high school, I'm assuming? Yeah. And then one for a kid that got run over in, like, elementary school. See, that would never happen in JCPS, because if I had two empty seats, they'd put kids in them. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. We had the room. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool, man. So was that group of kids, like, was it really close? Or I mean, because, for, for example, like, for my experience going to high school in PRP, and a lot of the people who are listening to this can probably relate, like, there was, it was such a large class of people. Like, when yeah. we started close to, like, 800, I think. Oh, my gosh. That you could find your group somewhere. And my group was very small. It was... I was in advanced program classes, so it was nerdy kids in advanced program classes. Mm -hmm. And then of those kids, it was like the ones who uh, also seemed weird because I felt weird. <laughs> I felt weird too, but I couldn't find my, my nook, my cranny where all those weird kids were. Like there were so few people to choose from to make friends with that I just kind of fell in with a couple girls. I guess you'd call them my best friends that also did sports, who I was just around constantly. If I had other options, I probably would not have been friends with them because they were kind of mean girls. Mm, but like Lindsay Lohan mean girls? Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> we took one of my friends, um, their mom's car out, just like on this little back road, and we all took turns driving. Like we were around 15. We're like, we should practice. And... Like, I was supportive and, like, given, like, helpful, what I thought were helpful instructions while they were driving. But whenever I tried to drive, they just started screaming <laughs> like we were going to die. We were still on the road. Like, what did they think was going to happen? And as, but yeah, other than that, our class was pretty close. Yeah. We had our cliques, cliques like every other mm -hmm. school did. But I need to get Brian uh, huh? Williams back on the podcast because he can tell an, a crazy story. About what happens when you take your parents' car out on a joyride oh, when shit. you're in high school. Oh, no. And it results in like eight pins in this leg, I think. Uh, yeah. That did not happen. I don't know why they were screaming. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you survived that. <laughs> Me though. too. No, it might have been in a field. So. Well, see, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. There's tons of fields. Uh, yeah. So when I got to college, it was like I made so many friends that first few weeks. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I didn't want to go home because I was, had so many people that I actually liked that I wanted to hang out with. So mm -hmm. I think for everybody, that transition 
into college is a huge one. But for you, I imagine it was probably even more significant because I imagine the transitions from middle school to high school weren't that big. No. Because it's the same people. You were just there with everybody else. Yeah. There was a little more freedom and... My dad worked at the high school, so I got to see him every once in a while. Oh, that's cool. It was not cool. No. (laughs) What did he teach? Did he teach? He uh, was a special education teacher. Oh, wow. He's really, yeah, he's really good at math. So I think he focused on those, but um, he's like two or three years away from retiring now. He's also the, what's it called when you're over the sports and athletic director? Athletic director. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. He's, he's doing that now. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it's like to have a parent like in the school. You don't want to know. Really? It's not fun. Especially when you're trying to date. And like <laughs> when you get your first boyfriend at 15 and then he tells you that your dad stopped him in the hallway. Just like to scare him a little bit. It's uh, uh, It was interesting. But he was a good guy. So I didn't mind. To papa? Yeah. That's good. I'm glad. You like to think of people who are teaching as being good guys. I don't want a lot of bad guys teaching. He used all of his patience at school. So at least there was that. (laughs) That's funny. He was also my softball coach, like my assistant coach for softball. That's fun in high school. Yeah. I kind of wish I hadn't played softball. I bet it is hard. It's it's hard to, to deal with your parents when you're in high school. Yeah. I had a hard time dealing with my parents when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so from my experience though, like, transitioning from elementary school to middle school and then from middle school to high school was really anxiety inducing because a big part of it was going to be all new people, like brand new people who, and maybe some of my friends went and some of my friends didn't. So that challenge, I guess, wasn't there. No. So how terrifying then was it going into college and knowing that (laughs) not only just is everybody else going to be new, but the city you're going to be living in is going to be new. Yeah. So what was that experience? I mean, it was scary. Uh, it was. It was like terrifying, exciting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough, a girl from my high school in my class that I graduated with, she was also going to Western and we were roommates first year. So at least I didn't have to deal with a stranger mm-hmm. who was going to steal my stuff and kill <laughs> me in my sleep. <laughs> so we were roommates the first semester, first year. And then there were three guys that I knew in a different dorm, also from my graduating class. So it wasn't like I was all by myself, but it was I was more alone than I had been before. Mm-hmm. And I definitely had moments of being like, I used to be a big fish in a small pond, but then I was a small fish in a huge pond. And it got to me sometimes. So m- did you listen to Michelle's podcast? Yeah. She, uh, she talked about having that exact same experience. Really? Because like she was our class president Mm -hmm. she was like valedictorian Mm -hmm. um and then she went to college and she felt like she was a big fish in a a little pond Mm -hmm. like being transitioned into a big pond and all of a sudden she just felt really overwhelmed yeah and you can relate to that because Mm -hmm. didn't you have a lot of those similar accolades when you were in high school yeah i was vice president for our class president of the beta club student athlete i got best all around from the teachers is like an award at the end of the year that they do um, I was in all the sports, so I was a senior for those, and just got, like, bragged on all senior year. Just like, you're a senior. You're going to do great things in college. You go. And then you get to college, and, like, nobody's there. <laughs> like, I thought I was great. I'm just <laughs> a shitty freshman. 
What do you think motivated you to, to do those things like when you were younger? Do you think it was because your dad was a teacher or was it just like in your personality already? Yeah, there were, I could say there were expectations from my family because my cousin, she was a year older than me, but she was also like straight A. She's like the the example that I had to follow. Nobody else was wanting to be the vice president. So I was like, sure. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, Might as this well. will look good on college applications. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there was pressure from my family. I'm also the first born child. So that was the experiment. And they I feel like they put more pressure on you to, to be the best at what you're doing. Or like at least do your best. Well, I think they feel more pressure to do their best when they're raising you, mm. and then you become a reflection of your parents. And I think that that's how that happens. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. hadn't thought of it that way before. I guess I just didn't want to disappoint my parents. I didn't want it for me. kind of wanted it for them. Like, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to say I'm a people pleaser. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. So am I. And so if I went to a big school like you, where they had more options and, like, more, uh, I guess, extracurricular activities... I may not have did as many sports, maybe focused on music more Mm -hmm. because I was in band in middle school and I had to quit because I did too many other things. Some of my friends in college, they talked about forensics and speech and drama. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. But I think I would have liked to have tried that even though I have really bad stage fright. Yeah. Like I would just want to do it to push myself and like maybe overcome that awkwardness like in front of people speaking. I would Uh. love to do like drama just because yes. I'm a dramatic person. And <laughs> I would I'd like to try it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what did you major in in college? Um, it's the same thing as Emily Berry, uh, dietetics and nutrition. Nutrition dietetics. That's fun. Did you yeah. My mother-in-law also did a little bit of that when she was in college back really? in like the 80s, yeah. Whoa. What drew you to that? Was it growing up on a farm? I mean, you guys no. you guys grew tobacco. You didn't really grow food, did you? <laughs> no, we had corn and oh, really? okay, cool. beans, squash, tomatoes. Um what actually, I didn't even know that was a job when I entered high school, but they made you do a, like a personality interest type quiz, like first few weeks of freshman year. And that was one of my results. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I can make 50 some thousand a year doing this job. Okay. Don't have to deal with blood, blood and guts. And so I looked more into it and it's insane that they want you to know what you want to do like freshman year of high school. That's what I stuck with Mm -hmm. because I'm like, this seems like a secure job to have. Hospital is always going to be needed. And so I just pursued it from there. I really liked the the clinical side of it that Emily doesn't like as much. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten almost everything I learned. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, it is something we've talked about on the podcast before, though, that test. That like, (sighs) that might be one of the worst things that public schools ever did for Mm -hmm. our generation of kids was pinhole them based on this generic random test that some people made up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who ended up pursuing jobs that I don't think they particularly like doing now because no. of those tests. Yeah, and from Emily's, from her experience working in that field, like after school, I'm like, how satisfied with that life would I have been mm-hmm. if it had come to fruition? Like, I don't know if I'd have stuck with it. Like, Emily's on a different career path kind of now, like something that she didn't go to school for, but that her degree is helping her with. I wish my degree was just a little bit useful sometimes, but I've forgotten most of it. Yeah. It's been five years. Well, I think getting a degree 
is useful. Yeah. Because you practice skills that just make you a more effective person, I think. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about that. Yeah, uh, I would not trade college for anything. I loved it. I had a, we've talked about how I had yeah. a weird experience yeah. in college. Um, <laughs> it was unconventional, maybe. It was unconventional. Yeah. But through the process of like accomplishing something hard, that was a, that was what college was for me. Mm-hmm. Was like setting a goal and then achieving it. So that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, I wish I had kind of learned that lesson somewhere before I graduated because not getting the internship really made me feel like I was failing at life. Mm-hmm. Like you've worked four and a half years to get this degree and at the very finish line you can't hack it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to like, it took a couple of years for me to like pick myself back up and realize that I'm a, still a person. How old were you when that, I guess you would have been like 21, 22 when that happened? <laughs> yeah, I was like 22. <laughs> yeah. That's just a difficult time in yeah. a human being's life anyway. Yeah. You're like, you're supposed to be an adult. Mm-hmm. You're a girl. Mm-hmm. So you were probably yes, more, <laughs> you're probably more like cognitively developed at 22 than probably. I was at 22 because that's just how boys and girls brains work. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> people would disagree with that. I think those people need to chill. I feel like because I was youngest in my grade and that I had older si- or older uh, cousins, like I was more mature. Oh, also too. You yeah. Just, so just like your personality was also one of more maturity. Yeah. And I turned 18 like two weeks before I went to college. Yeah. It was, yeah. I was really young for, for my grade. Man, you were young. Mm-hmm. Were you the youngest person in your class? Yeah. And valedictorian. No. I was yeah. I was vice president. And vice president. Vice president. All those other motherfuckers should have felt like shit. <laughs> yeah. Your vice president is a baby. It's crazy. You're right. It is crazy that we expect kids to know. We. It's crazy that we expect humans mm-hmm. to know what they want to do with the rest of their life when we've built this system in which they have to live mm-hmm. that is not built for their well-being. If I had to go back, I may not have went to college. But then a degree is good to have just like mm-hmm. on resumes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I went for that specific degree. I don't know. Because now I'm like, if I had just got out of high school, I would have moved to like Bowling Green and worked at a dog shelter or like trained to be a dog trainer, mm. like done something with animals, even though I'm slightly allergic. <laughs> I would have done... Maybe more artsy things, mm-hmm. like taking some art classes or some shit, and just because the internet, life. right? Yeah, and just lived lived a life that made me happy and didn't stress me out like like I did for four years. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's such an interesting truth about like the human condition now for most people our age mm-hmm. is we bought into this thing, and I think most of us are kind of realizing it that now. That college is the only way, and it's not. And not just college, but also like the nine to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, get a mortgage, buy a house. Yeah. You know. Have kids. Get married, have kids. Yeah. And, you know, some of that is true to what it means to be a human. But what humans really are are like primates. Like we're supposed <laughs> to like live in small groups and forage for food and hunt animals uh-huh. and dance around bonfires and yeah. play drums. And just and, be happy. And just be happy. Yeah. But like we live in tiny little cubicles by ourselves. And go to jobs we don't like every single day. Yeah. And everybody's sad. Everybody's sad, especially because of coronavirus. And coronavirus has been crazy. (laughs) Like, there have been so many, I'm sure, like a rise of cases in depression and anxiety. Has to be. Has to be. And, like, if everybody 
could just do what they wanted, maybe do it from home. Maybe nobody would be as sad. Yeah. I've been doing my job from home and that's been, it's been nice. It's been kind of liberating a little bit. Yeah. But you're, you were deemed essential. Yeah. Working at an airport. Yeah. I, my official title is inventory specialist, but I'm just like a permanent parts counter. I count all day long. But then I also like take the spot of the supervisors sometimes and like make sure that the other people are doing their job and not, not just burning the place down. And that's annoying too, because sometimes they are just burning the place down. Yeah. And I don't get paid for that shit. So you got to college. Mm -hmm. You leave this small town, Mm -hmm. small class. Never wanted to go back. And then you go to Bowling (laughs) Green. How do you feel like you grew and how do you feel like you changed in college? Biggest thing, I learned how to find my way where I needed to go better. Like, <laughs> like in Burksville, there's maybe there's two roads. You're going from like east to west and then north to south. And you can't really get lost. When I had to drive on an interstate, that freaked me out. I had not had a lot of practice because I <laughs> would let my mom drive us where we needed to go out of town. And so I got better at driving on the interstate. So spring break, freshman year, we drove down to Florida me and my roommate, and uh, yeah, and it was a spring break for a college student, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't think you can leave it at that. Okay. What happened? Uh, Did y'all break down? Did y'all get trashed? Did y'all get rested? Trashed? Um, not arrested, thank God. Even though we, we drove through like a a construction site that was not a road because I was too drunk to drive, so the roommate, my roommate was trying to get us back to where we were staying, and then- some other friends that I knew from high school were down at Panama Beach. So we went over there, and I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> I came back with some beads. I did have all my clothes, so that was a good thing. Good thing, good thing, yeah. yeah. I remember standing at this hotel that was not our hotel and, like, watching somebody flash us from the parking lot. <laughs> it was, and then it turned out to be my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> So you were really close with your roommates, right? Yeah. I guess, yeah. We had been friends in elementary school and then like ah. drifted apart in middle school when I started playing more sports and she didn't. And then high school, she was a cheerleader. I was a basketball player. But then we realized, we were talking about it, that she was going to Western. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I need a roommate. That's awesome. <laughs> and did you party a lot in high school? I guess maybe not. Um, I can count on like three fingers, like the times I got drunk in high school, college, was different like was, yeah. the first week was like master plan week mm-hmm. quote unquote and it's where the freshmen get there a week before school starts they can like settle in get their stuff get oriented um asking ask adults how to do things because they're on their own for the first time and so that week everybody they were just 18 year olds trying to get drunk and try to hook up <laughs> yeah because western is sort of known yeah as a school that people who enjoy partying yeah attend and marijuana yeah (laughs) yeah that's where quite a few of my friends ended up right after high school the last (laughs) the last time i really like got drunk enough to throw up was at chris berry's gatlinburg uh, (laughs) reception type party (laughs) and the we were staying in one of those big big rooms with like two or three other couples and so they got to hear me puke my guts out at like seven in the morning that's so. hilarious. Man, That's that reminds me of my bachelor party, which Chris Berry was also at. There was lots of loud vomiting. See a common denominator here? Yeah, Chris Berry's a bad influence. 
I've been he saying that for child. years. I've been saying it for years. He's a bad influence. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to go to that Gatlinburg party. It was the same weekend as my wife's cousin's wedding. Oh. So we went to that, which was a huge bummer. Dang. But I heard it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Hot tub. Hell yeah. And like the girls split off from the guys. And I feel like the girls were That sounds were having, like less fun. Yeah. No. And the, the girls were like, I think we did Never Have I Ever or something. And yeah, it was really fun until I threw up. And I had to leave a little early. Last time I threw up from drinking. And see, here's the thing is I'm not, one, I'm not a big drinker. Hmm. And two, usually I know my limits pretty well. But COVID has created instances where like I have felt I'm just going to kind of let loose. Hmm. I've been cooped up. And so recently I went out, Sarah and I went out with just some friends and we were there longer than I expected. And then she was driving. So I was like, I wasn't really trying to be uh, super cautious. Yeah. And I felt really good through the whole evening. Uh-huh. I felt like I was in a really good spot throughout pretty much the whole evening. Yeah. But then when we got back home, I felt rough. Oh, no. And I, I threw up all over our curtains. I was just laying in bed, like, trying to go to sleep. Like, at that point, I was feeling like Ooh. I was just trying to get out of it. Yeah. And then it hit me like a, like oh, a no. rocket. But I, I'm so lucky because she didn't even get mad at me. <laughs> she didn't even get mad at me. That is a good spouse. Yeah. I think good. she probably thought that you, you deserve this, though. Yeah. In her head. <laughs> but... Okay, so throw up story. Um, me and Tim had been dating for like maybe a couple months, and I took him to meet some friends for the first time. They had an apartment in Bowling Green, and we, I wasn't 21 yet, I don't think. So we were like trying different cocktails, mixing things together. Tim had some Jaeger uh-huh. somehow, maybe like a Jaeger bomb, maybe just one. I don't know. He ended up throwing up on top of their toilet, not in their toilet. Just on top of it. So I got to lay him over in the tub while I cleaned up their toilet. And that was the beginning of our relationship. The very, very beginning? Yeah, like two months in. Wow. Yeah, it hasn't happened since. That's when you know it's love. I guess. So you met Tim in college, right? Did you, You met him at Western? Yeah, I met him after he got out of the Navy. So he was in the Navy. And then Mm -hmm. I guess, so did he do the thing where like you go to the military and then do four years, yeah. and then they're going to pay for you to go to college? Yep. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. That's the way to go. He went to college for a year after he got out of high school. He's more. He's closer to your age than my age. I'm 28, and he's 31. Okay. Yeah, so he went to college for a year, did not do the best with the grades. That's okay, Tim. We still love you. <laughs> you're, you're still a great person. Um, and then he was like, this isn't for me. I'm going to do, do the the Navy thing because his brother was in the Navy Hmm. as well, the older brother. And so he did that and then he got out and then he went back to Western because his friend was still there, I think. And so he roomed with him for a little bit. And yeah, we met because the college apartments that I was staying at, he had just started working for them and they were doing a Super Bowl party with like pizza and like the game projected on the big screen. Mm. He was there kind of by himself, but I was there with friends. And he came and sat down like a chair away from me. And then Beyonce like blew out the lights at the stadium, like shut the power down. And then he asked if he could go with us to get blizzards because we were talking <laughs> about blizzards. <laughs> and I was like, 
No. <laughs> so I didn't see him for Creepy a month. Man. <laughs> Creepy person. No, you can't get blizzards. <laughs> and now knowing Tim, he loves a fucking blizzard. He, <laughs> he just yeah, he wasn't even trying to like hit on me at that point. He just wanted some um, ice cream. Yes, I was sitting over here and I heard you say the word blizzard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know you. I don't want to know you, but if you're going to get blizzards, I would like to come. Yeah. <laughs> But I didn't see him for like a month after that. And then Valentine's Day rolls around. And this guy that I was talking to was being a dick. Mm. So I was like, this is going to be the worst Valentine's Day ever. But I saw Tim the day before Valentine's Day because my mom sent me flowers because she loves me. I'm her special baby girl. And he was at the office and I had to pick him up from him. And I was like, oh, you work here. I remember your face. And then I saw he didn't ask for my number or anything that time. And then I saw him the day after Valentine's Day. He came by my work at the bookstore because he was doing some advertising stuff. Wanted to advertise in the bookstore. Sure he was. Sure. Sure, Tim, you're creeper. But I saw him and I remember his name. I was like, hey, Tim. He's like, oh, hey. And uh, something about he asked if the guy was going to take me on a date that weekend for Valentine's Day because it was like in the middle of the week or something. And I was like, no, I'm not really seeing him anymore. We're not together. He's like, oh, can I take you out sometime? I was like, maybe. So smooth. (laughs) He is smooth. He's got that deep voice. You know, it's funny for me to hear, because I knew Tim was in the Navy. Uh I just don't pick up that, you know, there's a military vibe. I'm not trying to be uh, like (laughs) condescending or anything about it. But sometimes a person says, you know, I'm in the military. And you're like, oh, I could have. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. That fits. Mm -hmm. Doesn't I don't get that vibe off of Tim. So that's really interesting. He, yeah, I don't get that vibe either. He didn't, it wasn't his most favorite years of his life. Yeah. Because it's kind of takes, takes a lot out of you. Um, But he, he was more brainy than brawny for the military. So I could see how that doesn't come across as like the. I see that. Yeah. I think the Navy actually kind of like, that's kind of their vibe too, right? More brainy than brawn. They're the the smart branch. Yeah. They got to know how to do submarines. I got to watch what I say because I don't know shit about anything. (laughs) I don't either. Just I don't let know Tim anything me. about anything. Uh, I, I never once in my life ever considered joining the military. It was very clear to me early on. Like I don't think I'll find success there. Mm. I don't do well on teams. I'm not very athletic. I don't do well getting up real early in the morning. Like morning's <laughs> not for me. Cut me out. Got to keep your hair a certain way. And so I guess you met Chris and Emily in Bowling Green too, yeah, right? I met them before I met Tim. Tim and I've been together for like seven and a half years since March of 2013. And I met Chris and Emily like the semester before that because I measure my life in that time in semesters. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Still? No. Okay. Just for college. <laughs> <laughs> Spring semester, fall semester, you know. Uh, I think that makes sense. But I don't know if they had been there the year before as well. But I remember walking into class and it was one of Chef Lee's class and it was boring as heck. But one of the only seats left in the classroom was like right in front of Chris. And I was like, when I go sit in front of the big scary guy, <laughs> he he looks very mean. And the girl he's with, she doesn't look very friendly either. <laughs> but it was the only seat left. <laughs> and so uh, I started talking to him about the syllabus. And then I was like, oh, they're not going to kill me. That's fine. You dodged a huge bullet because uh, walking up to Chris Berry mm-hmm. and immediately starting a conversation that includes the word syllabus. <laughs> Is a great way to get made fun of. 
Oh, he's made up for it. Don't worry. I'm sure he has. Yeah. I'm so sure he has. we, yeah, we got through that class together and we had a few more classes, maybe that semester too. And so I just started talking to him during class. And then we had most of the same um, classes that pertain to dietetics. So we'd study together and like help each other prepare for tests and learned about Chris's sense of humor. One of the first times he came over, he scared the shit out of Tim. Makes sense. Like, Tim did was he know a, Tim very well at that no, point? No, <laughs> he did not. Like, now it'd be funny and Tim would be able to shake it off. But like, then he kind of got mad about it. He's yeah. like, who is this motherfucker? This fucking asshole comes into my house, <laughs> frightens me. Scared. He, he had... Um, Should have shot him. Yeah. He... <laughs> What was it? Chris and Emily have a lot of board games. And yeah. one of them makes noise, like a loud sound. Anyway. Yeah, I bet you I bet a lot of them do. That's probably. Loud frightening sounds are right up Chris's alley. <laughs> yeah. Right up there with hot ass hot sauces. Oh, and and electrical shocks. Two things I hate. <laughs> Ugh. But anyway, he set it off right behind Tim because he was Tim was sitting on the couch and he like jumps up and whirls around and uh, I thought they were gonna get in a fight, but Tim probably <laughs> knew better. Ugh. But that was that was kind of how they their relationship got started off. Man, that's so. Mm. How is it that Chris Berry <laughs> is the type of person who to can, make so many friends? And but but the way that he does it is he comes into your home and he insults you and frightens you <laughs> and is just mean to you the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. It's his own special brand of just existing as a human. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he makes so many friends. Like going to New York. So after college, Emily got her internship in New York City. Um, I did not get an internship, but Tim got a job close to Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. So we were in the same state. We did not make very many friends. In Buffalo? In Buffalo. We were only there for like seven months, seven or mm-hmm. eight months. So we didn't have a lot of time. But there were two people that we had in a puppy training class that we took Kiwi to that I guess I would call friends. Mm-hmm. But Chris Berry, he goes to freaking New York City and makes like 20 new friends that some of them he still keeps in contact with. Yeah. Like this motherfucker. It's just the type of person he is. Yeah. And he's thoughtful. And also I think it has a lot to do with confidence. Mm. The majority of the time that you meet somebody, they want to be your friend. The last thing that they want is to not be your friend. Do they? Because then that would suck. Yeah. Really? They might not want to hang out with you all the time, but if you offer them a pleasant experience, they'll, they'll take you up on it. And I think Chris is just really good at, look, when, so this is actually a good segue because it kind of comes back to how you and I met. Because mm-hmm. we talked earlier and I think, I actually think we just met like randomly one time at Chris. But the Probably. way you remember us meeting was at this basketball league. Mm-hmm. So this basketball league. Chris Berry comes to me one day and says, Mitch, you want to play basketball? I'm like, no, Chris, you fucking ask me this all the time. I never want to play basketball. With never. You. And he's like, not that kind, not just like in my backyard, like on a league. Like if I put together a league. Would you play basketball on it? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, this motherfucker's not going to put together no basketball league. <laughs> a team is five, six people. Yeah. A league is five, six teams. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fucking like 30 people. No way is he going to organize 30 people. Find a place to do it. Make a schedule for the games. Yeah. That's just not Chris's thing. <laughs> well, fucking come to find out, apparently it is because... <laughs> I'd say probably six weeks later, he's like, you still want to play on that basketball league? He's like, I got a team for you. <laughs> I even, I there's like, no what? excuse. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you don't have to put together a team. Like your cousin reached out to me and he put together a team. You can just be on that team. And all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap. 
Chris has organized like 35 people. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing that I, I truly believe, and if this hurts Chris's feelings, I don't give a shit. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> I don't think he did any of it. What? He conned other people. <laughs> Paid them. He pestered them <laughs> and bullied them until they did all the stuff that needed to happen <laughs> so that he could play basketball on this basketball league. Uh, no, I bet he did it at work. You think so? Yeah. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. yeah he probably put it all together at work. Yeah. But uh, I think this mostly happened because Tim was the, I guess the director would be his title, but he was the director at Douglas Community Center. Mm-hmm. And so he could carve out a time that worked for Chris to have the court area available. So yeah. it was like full court, two two goals. Like So, yeah, Tim helped him a little bit. I mean, Tim helped him a ton. Because he gave him that place. Yeah. Chris Berry is a force of nature in some ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things I love about him. And I had a really fun time playing on that basketball league. Yeah, me too. I was one of only two girls that played. Mm-hmm. But I do remember got my exercise in. Yeah. Chris would just like stand at one end and we'd throw the ball down to him. And he nobody could stop him. Well, if you're close to Chris, you mm-hmm. can be touching his side and still be like five to seven feet away from his hands <laughs> yeah. if he's holding them up in the air yeah just by you know like the angle and mm-hmm. everything so yeah he's blocked me so many times that's you know it's 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 funny to think back about the time playing in that that league for me because it happened at douglas community center and then mm-hmm. i ended up working for tim at douglas community oh center, yeah uh forgot about that which was such an interesting time in my life really yeah well it was that was before you met sarah right like around the time it had to have been right around the time I started dating. Yeah, Emily told me that she'd met her and that she liked her. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, new friend for the friend group. Woo. Yeah, Sarah's cool. Yeah. Tim asked me when we were playing basketball if I would be interested in doing, I guess it was kind of like a camp counselor kind of job. I don't know exactly what you would call it. Yeah. Um, And it was like hanging out with these kids. So I didn't really know 100% what it would be like, Um, but I Free wasn't working over, nah, sort of, Uh. <laughs> But I wasn't working over the summer, and I was like, this would be an interesting gig. And it actually ended up being pretty fun. Okay. There was a lot of things I liked about it. There were some things I did not. Yeah. But one of the best parts about it was Tim. Really? (laughs) God, I cannot imagine what it's like to work with Tim. Just like living with him. I'm like, you've got some good knowledge in your brain, but I don't know how you are as a coworker. Great. He is? Okay. Great. If you say so. (laughs) I loved working with him. And just because he's just chill, man. Just chill. And like, uh, I wasn't ever going to do anything like stupid. Because while we were there, there were these high school kids yes. who were fucking shooting arrows out of a window and they hit a neighbor's house. And this is like the Douglas community. So these are like very expensive homes. Homeowners Association. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. He was so pissed. And I was like, I am glad I don't have to deal with this shit. <laughs> that sounds terrible. These mm-hmm. little shitheads. Mm-hmm. But dealing with the little kids was actually kind of a fun and interesting experience for me. No. But I, my, my, my absolute favorite part about the whole thing was working with Tim. Yeah. Watching Tim interact with people is funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> he doesn't even have to be, he's just doing a normal thing. Yeah. Like just talking to some other community center director about, you know, like we're about to move all these kids over to, uh, it's like he doesn't give a fuck at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to just uh we're, we're going to move these kids over to this These uh, kids are <laughs> They're all over here in this place. Um 
We're going to them over there. They're just going to be there. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I hate talking on the phone, so sometimes I'll have him call places for me and just how he, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you two, so do you feel like you and Tim are similar or do you feel like you're very different in like just your this personalities and character? Mm, we're similar enough that we're best friends, but we're different enough to like be a good partnership. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Cause he, like I said, he does the things that I hate doing. He does them easily. And I can do things that he struggles with. Like, this is really stereotypical, but like just taking care of the house. <laughs> like, so he was in the Navy. So they had to clean shit and like with toothbrushes and on the floor bleach. But I could show those Navy guys a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> like, if Tim is any example, like, oh, my gosh. I think relationships are kind of symbiotic. Mm -hmm. Like, once that work, and honestly, I don't, I'm not a relationship expert, but I'm married, and I'm trying to be as good at it as I can be, right? Same. So. Try and fail. And this is interesting, because we got married around the same time. Yeah. But with me and Sarah, we had not been together nearly as long as you and Tim before we got married. Oh, yeah. But there was symbiotic stuff, and I'm lucky that Sarah is so patient, because the things that she does for me have to be annoying. What, she's my memory. <laughs> That's Tim of. for me. Tim is your memory? No, he has a terrible memory. But yeah. he he's the one that's more patient. Really? Yeah, and I'm probably annoying the shit out of him sometimes. Really? <laughs> uh, Sarah's very patient with me. Uh, she, good. like, I'll, I'll lose shit constantly. I'm always losing things. Sarah, have you seen my keys? Sarah, have you seen my earbuds? <laughs> Yesterday... I had a softball game at five o'clock. She was going to go out to the barn to ride Promise. Promise lives. Oh, yeah. Promise is her horse. Promise lives about 30 minutes away mm -hmm. in West Point. She leaves. I can't find my keys. My keys were in her car. She drives all the way back. I'd say she'd probably been on the road for about 20 minutes. She drove back 20 minutes mm -hmm. just to bring me back my keys. Aww. Wasn't mad. Not even like, so, so like had it been me, I would not have said anything mean, I, but inside, had I been annoyed, mm -hmm. it would have been very clear in my energy, I guess. Yeah. I would have been nice, mm -hmm. but she would have been, I would have just been like, okay, here you go. Here are your keys. I love you. Bye. I love you. Just I'm, get away. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going back to the thing I was doing. Yeah. She he came in on the phone with her mom, chatting. <laughs> she came inside. Like, she, if it had been me, I would have been like calling on the way, hey, babe, I'm about to pull up. Can you meet me outside and grab these keys? Because- for some reason, I'm always in a hurry. Don't know why. <laughs> the moment I decide I'm going to do something, that's the time I decide I do it, that's when I'm doing it. So I'm immediately in a hurry. She's not that way. Mm -hmm. So she just showed up, came back, real calm, gave me the keys, gave me a kiss, talking to her mom, chatting. Hey, hey, babe, you know, my, my parents are meeting me at the barn, so, you know, I might be back a little bit late. I'm like, bitch, I just... <laughs> inconvenienced significantly you. inconvenienced you. <laughs> she is so patient. <laughs> You're not even mad. <laughs> but... Aww. The good part about it is because she's so patient, it makes me try to hold myself accountable because I don't want to be so obnoxious that she stops being that way. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So oh, like, I don't want to ruin it. I've never thought about this that. This is good. So mm -hmm. I got to try to make this last. I, I look at it almost like, could this potentially be a finite resource that I need to conserve for when I really need it? Gosh, I hope not. <sighs> How do you feel like your all's relationship has slowly become symbiotic in the sense that like you function as each other's? Uh function as part of each other i could definitely say that it felt that way when we got a dog together yeah yeah because we got her as a puppy and then you have to puppy or potty trainer 
Mm-hmm. And so we'd take turns, like, taking her outside. He took her to work because his work was super chill like that. But we have to, like, communicate with each other. Like, she needs food, shots and shit, mm-hmm. and just taking care of another living thing. So we have to work together on that. Yeah, you're talking about, like, shared responsibilities. I'm mm-hmm. talking about how, like, I've heard people say that when they, they lose their significant other, it's like a part of themselves dies. And that's literally because they've allocated parts of their personality to that other person. For example, I'm not good at remembering like family functions or dates or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Sarah is very thoughtful. So she remembers those things for me and she puts them in my Google calendar so that they're there (laughs) when I need to see them. And if it's in my Google calendar, then I know that it's happening. If it's supposed to just be in my brain, it would never, ever be there. Oh, no. I do that for Tim. I have a physical calendar because mm-hmm. I'm not good with the technology. Oh, that's a way. He's really good with the technology thing. So if anything breaks, he'll help me with that. And I would be lost without it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we were talking. Well, you brought up that spouse is dying. So we watched a show and it was really sad. And I was like, what am I going to do when you die? Or what <laughs> if I die? And he was like, here's this this stuff in my phone. You know where it is. I'll show it to you right now. And then everything's on my computer and it's with like triple password protected. And I'm like, shit, if I die, you're just going to have to deal with some loans and stuff and figure it out. Just stray paperwork <laughs> yeah. like somewhere in the house. It's uh, probably in this one folder under the bed. You kind of said he's, he's like the communicator, you feel like, in some ways. Like if you yeah. need to communicate to outside people, you would default to Tim. Yeah. Yeah. If we, like our water heater broke and he was the guy that called the handyman and got yeah. us a new he takes yeah yesterday our smoke detector started beeping and i was like no <laughs> what the fuck and he was like you got some batteries it's like yeah i got some <laughs> and he just put a new one in there <laughs> i'll tell you one of the ways that i function as like a symbiote for sarah mm-hmm. is in social situations uh, if yeah. we go out together especially with groups of people that she doesn't know super well Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say she's shy, per se. If somebody talks to her, she's going to talk back to them. Yeah. She's going to do it well. But she's going to be very matter of fact. Uh, and she's going to, you know, she might tell them a quick story that gives them all the information they need to answer their question. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody asks me a question, I'm going to slip off into a 20-minute, like, <laughs> performance. Yeah. Um, that involves hand gestures and voices and uh, jokes that's going to consume maybe the next 45 minutes of our conversation. And Sarah gets to sit there quietly, very happily, not the center of attention. Uh, neither Tim or I likes to be the center of attention. So really? our, our wedding was terrible. But it wasn't terrible, but it was just uncomfortable. Like just being the center of attention around our closest friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been worse if it was full of strangers, but <laughs> <laughs> it is. Tell me about it, because we were kind of, we were planning our weddings around the same time, I think. Yeah. My favorite part was finding a dress and cake tasting, and that was it. Yeah. uh, The bachelorette party was awesome just because my friends are awesome, but planning it is my literal hell. I had a nightmare the other night that I had to replan my wedding and find a new dress, and it did not fit, and it was in a cabin in the woods, and I just woke up crying, I think. Yeah. But, so I'm still a little, got a little PTSD from that. Whew. 
but he he wanted to elope and I kind of wanted to elope as well but two of my grandparents passed away and I passed away before we got married so I was like I want the rest of my family that is here to like celebrate with us I want my dad to walk me down the aisle so I was like so yeah I I guess I changed my mind I kind of want a full wedding so we did the whole thing even though it was torture yeah yeah planning the a wedding is not super fun uh it's a lot of work what was yours like did you have a smaller one or a bigger one it was were the horses involved no so she wanted them to be dang so our wedding was for me i think a totally different experience because one i was excited about planning a wedding tim was not really yeah neither one of us were (laughs) and sarah wasn't really Uh she and i almost in this case had kind of different roles different like different than most stereotypical gender roles yeah yeah um it's funny because um you you told me when we talked earlier that you would describe yourself as like the female version of me yeah and when i said that to chris chris said mitch i would describe you as the female version of you <laughs> which was mean yeah. and hilarious <laughs> but sometimes i do have a tendency of being attracted to things that would traditionally be considered more feminine especially things that like have an aesthetic and i love pretty things i like pretty so things i was excited too, yeah. to to plan a pretty wedding yeah so hmm. sarah is also very capable you know like she backpacked through europe and shit like that in south yeah. america and she plans all that on her own so for more was, than just a day yeah that was an <laughs> incredible story oh. so we um we really i think we did a good job of of sharing the responsibility of planning the wedding but then also sarah's dad helped a buttload <laughs> oh, good it's awesome to have help he was oh. a humongous help and he just anytime that there was ever a potential where she and i were leaving a loose end he had already got it covered which was nice. really really cool so he took care of us but our wedding was about 150 people Whoa. That's kind of smallish. Oh, ours was less than 100. Really? Less yeah. than 100, really? It's like 70 something. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really intimate. I fucking love weddings. I love to dance. <laughs> I love to I love to be the center of attention. It's straight up right <laughs> up my alley to have everybody in a room there to be watching me do something. <laughs> so I thought of the whole thing as a performance and, yeah. it, and it really kind of ended up being that way. I had a blast. Oh. Shit kept going wrong and oh, I no. kept getting to make jokes about it and it was just awesome. <laughs> uh, so I I guess my mindset for ours was more of like getting those memories that you could never get again. Like first dance with my dad, like getting ready with my mom and my sister and my friends seeing Tim at the end of the aisle as I walked down, trying not to cry, getting those pictures. I'll freaking love pictures. The only things that went wrong was that our caterer got in a car accident. Oh my gosh. On the way there with the food in the car. Mm. So she was like an hour or two late, which is understandable. Well, at least she came with yeah. food. Um, but that's the only thing I know of that went wrong. Tim had fun the day of. I had fun the day of, except it was kind of hot. You had a million, I th- like your hair's fixed up and you have a bunch of fancy clothes on and stuff like that. Yes, that dress, I could wear it every day. Really? Freaking loved my dress. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so pretty. I felt so, so much like a princess. Nice. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts. It was pretty. I need to show you the pictures sometime. I'm excited. I think yeah. I've seen some of them, honestly. I looked through Facebook. I'm a creeper. <laughs> that's I fine. creep on Facebook. Uh, something I liked that I got from somebody else's wedding was putting photos of relatives that had passed away. Like, both of Tim's grandparents 
on both sides have passed away. So we put their wedding pictures on a table and then like my grandparents that have passed away and my aunt. My sister said something like, did something like that too. Yeah. And it just, those little tiny details are what I liked most about it. Like the, instead of petals being sprinkled down the aisle by the flower girls, it was um, pages from Sense and Sensibility cut out in heart shapes. Mm. Yeah. Nah. That's fun. So little things about your wedding that made it uniquely yours was your favorite thing about it. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I think that is a big part of what's fun about it. Another big part of my motivation, though, Uh was throwing a big-ass cool party for my friends. Yes. We had so much alcohol left over. Yeah, so did we. And we weren't supposed to take it from the venue, but we did. (laughs) Don't tell the police. (laughs) It was like... A tall trash can, you know those trash cans with the lid on them? Uh-huh. They, it was a tall one of those full of like beer, just all the beer. They mm-hmm. emptied the trough, the horse trough, into the garbage can, and there were six or seven bottles of wine left. I believe you. We just took it. Heck yeah. Yes. Did you guys buy it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was ours. And but she was like, I hate to throw this all away. No, yeah. We'll take it. They're not supposed to let you take it? No. That seems it's weird. a liability, even though it's not open. Yeah. You know, can lead to legal things. Can we take a potty break? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Actually, I wouldn't mind doing that. Yes. Hey, guys. We'll get back to Just Friends in just a second. But first, I want to take this quick opportunity to talk to you guys about our friend, the handsome and talented Mr. Seth Jones. Seth is a local artist. The first thing of his that I saw was his comic strip, Ragamuffins, which I immediately loved. And then a few years later, I had the privilege of going to one of his art shows at Old 502 Winery for his Angels and Soul series. Massive angels. I wish I could describe them to you, but honestly, you should just check out his Facebook page or his Instagram page. Seth A. Jones on Instagram, all lowercase. And then his Facebook is actually a little tough. It's capital S period space capital A period space Jones and you'll also get to check out his newest fine art series Animalia now when I first saw the orangutan piece I was blown away by it and then the elephant piece crazy and right now Seth has a Kickstarter going so if what you see on his Instagram page and on his Facebook page speaks to you you can actually purchase some of these pieces of art one of you guys out there listening definitely needs a painting for like your hallway or like maybe your master bedroom maybe you got like a cabin and like you just really need a big picture of a bison on the side of a log just like hanging somewhere in this cabin i'm telling you guys check out the kickstarter There's something on there that you need. Capital S period space, capital A period space, Jones on Facebook, and Seth A. Jones, all lowercase on Instagram. Check that stuff out. If you're already there, you definitely should be able to see links directly to the Kickstarter, so look around. There's an awesome giraffe print on there that I'm about to buy like right now because I think there's only one left. It's beautiful. It's affordable. And you can support an awesome dude and a contributing member to the Just Friends community So make sure you check out his Facebook page. Make sure you check out that Instagram page and show the boy some love. All right, guys, that's that. Let's get back to the show. So something else unique to our wedding that I really enjoyed was putting songs by 
Fallout Boy or Panic at the Disco, like the more lovey ones, the less hard rocky ones, um, into the the music rotation. And I wanted to put more nerdy things, but I didn't know how much people were going to get the references. Yeah, because my family's pretty pretty not nerdy, and me and Tim are pretty big nerds. Um, what kind of nerds would you describe yourself as being? Like which fandoms or what level? I guess you know there are different types of nerd. I guess uh-huh. there's like there's comic book nerd, uh-huh. um, and then there's kind of like technology nerd, or maybe you'd call that a geek. Geek. But I call my wife a horse nerd, <laughs> and she is one. Yeah, we just do like we dabble in a lot of it. Not so much anime, even though I do like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. But me too. Oh, I noticed that. Casey has like a Lord of the Rings tattoo. He does. What? What's it of? I forget. It's the Eye of Sauron. Ah, yes. Uh, that's. I'm kind of saving those, reading those books until uh, later in life. That and Star Trek. Like those are two things that I haven't got into. I did get into Doctor Who mm. like a few years ago. I never got into Doctor Who. Really? I think. Do you like fantasy? Like 80s? Yes. Okay. I think you would like it. My brand of nerdiness. Um, I also similar to you, read a lot when I was a kid. Yes. Different reasons, though. It wasn't because I was isolated. Uh-huh. Well, it was because I was isolated, but not because I was on a farm, but just because I was <laughs> awkward and was bad at making friends. I was that, too. Yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> I started off reading a lot of sci-fi. I liked Animorphs. I remember those. People, they, they, they were given powers by aliens to be able to to acquire the DNA of animals and then yes. morph into those animals. like the hawk mm-hmm. and the bear. His name was Tobias. The hawk's name was Tobias. Oh, I do remember those. And then I was into like the brand of nerdiness, like the types of things that a young man might find interesting when he doesn't have a lot of friends. So I used to read, I read like Gary Paulson books. I really liked his stuff. He did like, most of the books that he wrote that I read were about a young man who was in a plane crash and who had to survive by himself oh my gosh. in the wilderness. Yeah. I found that fascinating. It's still something I find fascinating. And I read a book called My Side of the Mountain. Hmm. But then where my nerdiness really took off uh, towards like fantasy stuff was definitely Harry Potter. Yes. I mean, that's that, like the gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking loved it. Um, when did you start reading it? Um. Well, at first I didn't want to read it because all the other kids were reading it for AR. And I was like, I'm not going to read this because I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. But I finally read it in like third or fourth grade. My mom read the first one to me to get some AR points. And then after that, I was just like hooked on it. Me and my dad would uh, take turns reading the book after it came out, uh, like Barnes & Noble. Like I remember us fighting over who got to read the last book first because we apparently could only have one book. Yeah. You're talking AR, you're talking about accelerated reader. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember doing that. Casey talked about that in his podcast a little bit. Because uh-huh. you could read books and then mm-hmm. if you, you took a test and if you could pass that test, mm-hmm. you, you got, got points. points and then you could spend those points on things. Yeah, either spend them on things or if you met your goal, you got a personal pan pizza yeah. for a pizza party. Um, yeah, and it's kind of ironic because I, I didn't read really well in first grade. And my dad had a hard time teaching me how to read. And I may have got spanked with the belt because I didn't want to learn how to read in wow. first grade. Yeah, I was like really far behind my, my peers in first grade. But after he got me with the belt, I was uh, a good reader. Corporal, where are you? <laughs> yeah, I <freaking laughs> love to read. <laughs> so corporal punishment worked. Yes. But yeah, after that, um, yeah, I read all the Harry Potter. I really liked Nancy Drew. 
also. Is and that then, considered nerdy? I don't know. I think Sarah talked about reading Nancy Drew books. Nancy Drew was the bomb. I didn't read Nancy Drew. Uh, you would probably have been Hardy Boys. I didn't read Hardy Boys. Oh, no mysteries for you? No mysteries for me. Hmm. Um, for me, it was Animorphs. I like the sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Then I got into the fantasy with Harry Potter. And then as I got older, I just experimented with different sci-fi and fantasy book series. Mm-hmm. I did not get as deep into the books as Casey. Mm. Casey has read Lord of the Rings a ton. He's read Lord of the Rings. Those are thick. I've read The Hobbit. And I've read... I think I read that one. Actually, I think I've read all of the Lord of the Rings books, but it was when I was young, and Uh, a lot of it was lost on me. It's more challenging. Yeah, it's more descriptive and less action to get to the action parts. That reminds me of the C.S. Lewis Narnia books. There's like seven of them. You know what? There's so many. Those actually might have been pre-Harry Potter for me. Now that you say that, because I think I read those in elementary school. Yeah. I can't remember how old I was when I started reading Harry Potter books. The books came out like a little bit before 2000, like 97, late 90s, early 90s. And I was I was slow to up. get on it too. Yeah. I was picky about books. Me too. Yeah. And if my mom suggested it to me and then that automatically put it on a list of like, I'm not going to like this. Yes. My mom wanted me to read the either The Hobbit or The Magician's Nephew, which is from the Narnia Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I put it off for so long because I'm like, mom doesn't know anything. I'm going to hate this book. This is so stupid. Yeah, so it's either The Hobbit or, but I did read both of them. Uh, that's on our bookshelf. Me and Tim both actually read the the same, like it came in a, they were all seven books together in like the big ass book. And then I have that beside my Jane Austen. The Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. I've only read through those once and I read through them in, because there's two orders technically that you can read through them in. Really? There's like the order in which... They were written by the author, mm-hmm. which starts with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, okay. And then progresses. And then there's the actual chronological order. Where the magician's nephew is before. Yeah, where the, yeah. in the chain of events that things actually take place in the story. I would rather read it in, yeah, chronological how they take place in the story. See, I read sense. it starting with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That was the first of the books well, that I read. That's the best one. Yeah. 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 That one and Prince Caspian, I feel mm-hmm. like, are pretty good. What about the Voyage of the Dawn Treader? That one was pretty good too. Yeah, their little cousin Edmund or whatever his name was got on my nerves. And I liked a horse and his boy. Really? Yeah. It was not. I barely was able to even make the connection between Narnia uh-huh. because it's very very subtle. I don't remember that one as much. It's yeah. It's been probably since I was an early teen at the latest earliest. So that I read them. Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Did you read a series of unfortunate events? I read the first one, but it was so sad. I couldn't read any more. <laughs> it never <laughs> stops being sad. Well, I'm glad I didn't read it. You read the last book mm-hmm. and you're like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm never going to read them. So what happens? Do they do they get a family? Stop being chased by the crazy guy? Yeah. They never. It's it's. So interesting. So okay. I started reading those books when I was in middle school, elementary schoolish. They were never available to be checked out in the library at school either. Shit. I hate when that happened. So I started rereading them again when I was probably in like right out of high school. Uh-huh. And it was more of like a, I'm trying to experience this story that I missed out on when I was a kid. And parts of it were challenging because it's definitely written for a younger audience. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
But the story is so good. And the final lesson of the whole book series is that everything is fucked up. (laughs) Everything is fucked up and nothing ever fully makes sense. And lots of things are just sad. (laughs) And that's a great fucking lesson, I think, for a young person. Maybe not. mm, Maybe like 16 or over. But like as a small, like as a 10 or 11 year old, that could be traumatizing. I think I needed that. You did? Yeah, because when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was looking at my family and the way that we behaved. And then I was comparing that to things like TV. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, obviously this is fucking broken because (laughs) that shit didn't happen on uh, Growing Pains. Uh, best believe that uh, Michael Seaver's not acting that way. And it would have been nice for me to have like some type of narrative that said like, dude, shit is fucking not supposed to be perfect. Everything is supposed to be fucked up and that's the normal way of being. And then I might've been able to take a step back and be like, oh, okay. So now I just got to figure out how to work in in this. This is, Mm -hmm. this is normal. And I just got to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. I guess that was the opposite because my, my parent, my family was pretty solid until they got divorced when I was a freshman in college. But I was really sheltered and, yeah, probably really naive on how, on the different ways a family interacts. So uh, the sad things, like, really got to me. I'm like, why? Why does it have to be so sad? They just, just make them be happy, author. You have the power. So maybe if I read it as an adult... I could appreciate it more, mm-hmm. like, because life is depressing and sad now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is. That was kind mm-hmm. of another another lesson, though, that was in the book. Like, mm-hmm. everything's fucked up. Your parents are dead. The guys who killed them are going to get away with it. Um, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And they've pretty much made your entire childhood shit. Mm-hmm. Um, That's it. And now you're about to be adults. So what are you going to do with that? And then, the, and then it is, as long as we stay positive, we have each other. Let's focus on how we can improve and how we can grow and what we can do to get better. And all the shit that sucks about life is going to continue to suck, but it's how we choose to respond to the adversity that matters. That's another big time hmm. narrative that is kind of propagated throughout a series of unfortunate events because those kids never fucking give up. They're always getting after it and trying to move forward to the next whatever thing that can put them in the place that they want to be. And I could have learned that. I could have used that lesson as a young person, too. I might could use that now. Oh, they turned it into a a Netflix series. It's pretty good. Yeah, with, uh, I love Neil Patrick Harris. Mm -hmm. He's so good. It is. So maybe I could watch it. I tried to watch it. It was similar to the books. Is that a bad thing? Well, no. But yes, in the sense that it's definitely made for younger people. Mm. And so when I was reading the books as kind of an adult, I was like, oh, God. Mm -hmm. Some parts of this are silly or way too simple. Some of the solutions to the problems that they found, the Baudelaire children found themselves in, I was like, that's, I'm I'm not buying this Mm. as like the resolution at all. Hmm. But a child would, you know? Yeah. I I think I could deal with that. I like the Avatar The Last Airbender series. So... I feel like I, if I can deal with that, I could look past it and find the deeper meaning and lesson to take away. I liked Avatar too. Yeah, I it wa- was. Good. Do you? You said you weren't really into anime much, but that's is that considered anime? I think it would be called anime. Okay, wouldn't you? well then I'm into anime. Yeah, <laughs> that I, and Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. I watched Sailor Moon when I was younger. Tsunami. It's, yes, she was. 
so cute. Oh, and yeah. like her little cats that talked to her. It was the best. <laughs> That's what you liked about it? Yeah, and that she did the um the transformation. Moon mm-hmm. prison power. And like the song as she like got her uniform on and I was always like, What are the evil people doing? Are they just standing there? Does this happen faster in real time? Like, what's going on? Even as a kid, I was like, What? What were her Ooh. powers? What could she do as Sailor Moon that she couldn't do as she could fight. She was really clumsy as a, like a regular teenager, but like when she turned into Sailor Moon, she could fight, and then she was a better leader. She could communicate better, like and take down the bad guys. And she had this like crystal thing that had powers that she wasn't couldn't like, use as a regular person. Yeah, that's the girliest yeah <laughs> superhero ever. She is. She can stand up for herself better. <laughs> And she can lead groups of people more effectively, and and she is more assertive. Uh, but she was a real crybaby, <laughs> like as a regular teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I watched this in like elementary school. That's true. And it just has good memories for me. And also back then, like not necessarily as progressive as we are now when we portray women and young girls mm-hmm. in TV shows and stuff like that. And that was one of the only TV shows that I watched that was mainly girls like as the protagonist yeah so growing up in a more rural area growing mm-hmm. up in a more religious area mm-hmm. did the majority of the people that you grew up with did do they tend to be more conservative now or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure most of the older people are yeah. but are the younger people there are more than i would have expected like it's usually people that didn't get away from the town who may have went to college at like a community college or like only went to college in say Western for a few years, maybe didn't graduate, but that gravitated back towards the small town and they didn't really get a full dose of a different way of life. Maybe Mm -hmm. didn't see other people's perspectives and like aren't targeted by Facebook of different kinds of articles. They they're actually probably targeted by exactly the type of articles mm-hmm. that they're interested in. Yeah. That's a stupid thing. What do they call that? Confirmation bias? Mm-hmm. Facebook only shows us stuff that we've already interacted with before, so we always end up seeing the exact same thing yeah. we've it's always an echo interacted chamber. with. Yeah, it's an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And small towns tend to be an echo chamber a little bit too. Yeah. There are a few uh, people that I graduated with who have more progressive views. And I think this one guy is like trying to become mayor someday. Oh, that's cool. I uh, know. He's like always posting political things and like posing questions that the small town may not have thought of before. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're kind of a dick in high school, but maybe, and he, you're, maybe you're a good person now. And he still lives in the city. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He mm. could be a good person now. I mean, everybody grows. Yeah. Uh, Surprising. I don't know. For me, it's interesting because I still see a lot of my friends. I see a lot of my friends who uh, have become more progressive. Mm. A lot of times for me, that's associated with them having also gone to college. Because I think in some ways, going to higher education, there's an opportunity for you to get indoctrinated into more liberal points of view. Mm -hmm. But also there's something that happens when you get a little bit more educated. Sometimes people also have a tendency to become more progressive. But that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Some really, really smart people who are involved in academia that I know are conservative and they're really cool and really smart people. And what I've kind of learned is that it all it usually comes down to like something that they value just a little bit more than I value it. Mm-hmm. 
and I have a value that I hold just a little bit higher than they do. Yeah. And that and that results in us thinking differently about things. Because let's face it, nowadays it's hard to talk about politics at all. Yeah. And not become divisive. And yeah, it's hard to express yourself about something you feel strongly about without getting frustrated and angry and that includes politics and religion and mm-hmm. viewpoints like that. I don't I don't engage with people who are going to get upset mm-hmm. about disagreements. So, so also a thing that happens, people take politics so seriously, it becomes a part of their identity. Yeah. So you can't challenge their thoughts without challenging who they are as a person. It, that makes it impossible to have a conversation about ideas because if you challenge that person's ideas, then you've challenged who they are. Mm-hmm. And then all communication just breaks down and falls apart. Yeah. And that's what has happened so much on social media. Neither person there has been able to effectively express their point of view without also taking things personally. People's feelings get hurt. Mm-hmm. Tempers rise. Yeah. I have a temper anyway. Really? Yeah. <laughs> And I'm also not the most eloquent person that I know. So if I can write something down, like maybe I could explain <laughs> it better and he would like catch on to something that I'm meaning to say that I couldn't say out loud. Yeah. Because in the moment you just don't have the words to yeah. really say what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I like to think about what exactly I'm trying to get across. And yeah. Yeah. Because language is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with Malcolm Gladwell? Do you know who that is? I talk about, God damn it, I talk about his book on this podcast so often. I probably only know it because you've said it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wrote that book called Outliers. And it, it basically his point of the book is most, well, I want to say most, a significant number of the challenges that we are facing as a society right now are stemming from the fact that we don't fucking know how to talk to each other. Yeah. And that people get their feelings hurt when they shouldn't or that they misinterpret a action or behavior or word as disrespectful when it's not meant to be or threatening when it's not meant to be mm-hmm. and things like fall apart really quickly because we just don't have the tools to communicate intent mm-hmm. as well as we need to. Yeah, I could see that. Hmm. Like if we all could just communicate with emojis, maybe well, it would get more That's so interesting clear. that you say that because mm-hmm. em- em- emojis, gosh, you're going to get me talking about crazy shit. <laughs> okay. And this is bad. I don't, I'm not supposed to be the one talking, but you're going to get me talking about crazy shit. Uh, emojis are really interesting because they they do provide a way to convey intent when you're talking. Um, and it's almost like a different language a little bit. It's kind of more like hieroglyphics. It's images rather than words. Mm-hmm. I've always loved hieroglyphics. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, they each have a specific meaning behind them so you are you into like ancient egypt and stuff like that do you i ge- like it do you geek out on it hard no not hard but i did go through a phase like there were these dear america books mm-hmm. about uh specific princesses or like royal people throughout time and cleopatra was one mm-hmm. and that one was really interesting and then there was a book about mummies and how oh. they like get their brains through their nose with this like hook thing and how they embalm them yeah so a big part of my geekiness when i was a kid mm-hmm. was i loved to watch History Channel and Discovery Channel. I loved it. And Ancient Egypt was one of the things I was interested in. Well, as an adult, I've come to find that a lot of Egyptology, like a lot of science that was taking place back then, had people in it that were manipulating the information. What? 
so that their theories appeared to be the ones that were correct so that they could be considered, you know, like the top dog. Oh, shit. And then not only that, and this happens in lots of other fields of science, not just archaeology and Egyptology, but then they also use their power and their influence to stop other people who are coming up with conflicting points of view because they don't want to have their point of view disproven because then they lose prestige. Mm, I don't like that information. So that is true. Uh So then for me, that opens up this gateway to now um, alternate explanations for the story of Egypt because I already know the dude who told the mainstream story was a dick. (sighs) And was crushing other people's opportunities to tell a different story. So it could. So one of the stories about ancient Egypt that I've heard, and and this actually can be expanded upon significantly, Mm. is that the ancient Egyptian civilization that we know of is actually a remnant of a much larger, more global civilization that existed across the entire planet at one point a long, long time ago. Okay. That was then wiped out later by a significant cataclysmic event. Whoa. Well, that would make sense because the Mayans, mm-hmm. or the Aztecs, one of them, they have something that looks like a pyramid. Yeah. And then there yeah, was- they have pyramids, yeah. Yeah, and then in Chi- India, China? They have pyramids, yeah. Yeah, they're like everywhere. So like that kind of would like allude to like a more global culture. Yeah. yeah. There's also been Egyptian artifacts found <laughs> in like Georgia- like the state, the U.S. state the of Georgia. The state of Georgia? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And they're like, how did these get here? And yeah. Know. What? Um, but then also, and then you can, and then what you start getting into there is a whole lot of like potential. Pangea? Well, potential like conspiracy theories uh, and all kinds of different things that yeah. might be bullshit about aliens and shit like that. You can get there. <laughs> but there have been yeah. recent archaeological studies that have uncovered these old ass cities that were built and then buried under underground uh-huh. way before, like thousands of years before Mesopotamian civilization was supposed to have sprung up. And they're like, if we if we keep the the current narrative for human the advancement of civilization, then this city, which is carved out of stone, was built by hunter gatherers, which it clearly could not have been built by hunter gatherers. So we need to really change our. I think the earliest Mesopotamian cities were something like six thousand years old. And this city that was uncovered was proven to be like 9,000 years old. So it's like 3,000 years before they were supposed to be Sumer. What? Oh my gosh. I need a history class again. Well, it's not, that's not being taught in history class. Yeah. The same shit that's being, that we were taught is what's still being taught in history class. Even though that was 10 years ago and new discoveries have been, been made. And then not only have new discoveries been made, but the internet has showed us how full of shit most of people were. And so now it's like, okay, well, if this is how full of shit people are now, that's probably how full of shit people were then. So most of the shit that you told us was probably full of shit. <laughs> it's all shit. It's yeah. all a bunch of white, old, rich white dudes yeah. telling stories. Just trying to be important when they're not. Ugh. Well, they are. <clears throat> but they're just a lot of other things that are equally as important that get ignored. Ooh, you know what shouldn't get ignored? What's that? I saw a preview for um, uh, Marie Curie's movie. You're the second person who's talked to me about her this week. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) But I'm really excited about it. Is there an Amazon documentary about her? I don't know. I haven't done a lot of research. I want to watch that one, but I also want to watch the movie that was based on um, the RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Mm. her movie. 
who was uh, played by the lady who was in the Star Wars Rogue One movie. I'm like, ah, it's just all coming together. All my interests, Star Wars and feminism. <laughs> well, we should talk more about Mary Curie because huh? I'm really interested in her for a different reason than you are. So what what about, I, I assume, I think at least, huh? what about Mary Curie is attractive to you? I like that her husband supported her work. Yeah. Even though um, he got nominated for the Nobel Prize when she didn't. Yeah. And uh, I like their relationship. And, oh, just the way she died was just like. Well, describe <laughs> to people who she is because there might be people listening who don't know who she is. Okay. Um, she was the first woman to be nominated for a Nobel Prize in science. And that's kind of all. She was briefly mentioned in my science class because of a technique for something. I think she discovered radioactivity, didn't she? Yeah, because that's what she died of. Yeah, she isol- she identified the property that some matter has that makes people die <laughs> when they come in contact with <laughs> oh, it. Oh, this is lethal? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Yeah, and it was like in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So she's like yeah. a really big feminist icon, right? Yeah, and she wasn't like beautiful or anything, but she was incredibly smart and underrated. And, and she was really interested in the occult. And that's why I'm really? interested in her. Yeah. I didn't know that. Dude, so much of what American science was huh. in like the early 1900s was also highly, highly mixed up with the occult. <laughs> Significantly. This is off the point, but I've always wanted to dress up as like a goth witch for Halloween, but I feel like I would offend some people. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's... So out of the realm of what I grew up around that mm-hmm. I just want to learn about it. Maybe not, obviously not practice occult practices like try to summon Satan, but it's just interesting because it's different from everything I've ever known. They definitely tried to summon demons. Oh, I don't um, know if I want to do that. There was this dude named Aleister Crowley who was like kind of at the middle of it. Uh-huh. And he was uh, this rich British aristocratic type person. And he was really interested in the occults and like casting spells. But he made a bunch of friends with a lot of like higher up people yeah. um, in the U.S. And a lot of those people were like involved in like rocketry and were big in like the integra- like the beginnings of NASA. And there's a oh. lot of it. Ooh. But I was talking to this girl about Mary Curie the other day and she was like, it was weird because, you know, like she had a really good relationship with her husband and like he supported her work. But then she ended up having an affair. What? With one of her. Yeah. I didn't know that part either. Well, they were doing sex magic. <laughs> They were fucking trying to cast a spell. <laughs> Dang, is this going to be in the movie? I hope so. Because oh, that, that would be the true story. Yeah. Like they used to do a lot of sex magic and they would mm. fuck each other's wives and they would just have sex with each other mm. because the whole point is like energies, certain mm-hmm. types of energies have power and sexual energy was supposed to be like very, very powerful. Yeah. So they were doing sex magic. Wow. Yes. People think that scientists are like these button-up, like, straight-laced people. No, they got some of the biggest imaginations and, like, least inhibitions. Well, only recently, and maybe like the past hundred years, have scientists and magicians been Hmm. different things. For the longest time, like, if you were a scientist, you were probably also trying to turn metal into gold, and that's magic. Volcanoes are magic at the science fair. Yeah. Like you put a liquid with a solid and it just like becomes a foam and shoots out of there. Yeah. That's hilarious. Science is magic. 
Yeah, I could definitely see how people would think of science as magic. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Yeah, there's just so many science tricks that they showed us like in middle school to like try and keep girls interested in science. And I feel, I can't remember. Let's talk about that because that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. an interesting thing that I'm interested in. Okay, well, and first, I think you are too. I have to preface this by saying that our school district was fucking stupid and they separated the girls from the boys in all their classes, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, mm-hmm. like all through middle school. And so I had maybe one class a semester with that had boys in there, which did not help my shy awkwardness and probably is why I didn't have a boyfriend until high school. But I didn't have a girlfriend till college, so don't feel bad. Okay. Well, cool. Anyway, they thought that it would decrease um, like the fights and the like tensions that boys and girls, like they thought that girls were distracting boys or vice versa in well, their classes. They, they 100% are. Well, I'm not sure that boys are distracting girls, but uh, girls are definitely distracting boys. <laughs> just with their bodies just being in the room. <laughs> boys are stupid. Yes, Maybe they and should. horny. Oh my gosh. Just give us the boys that can control themselves. That's none of them. That's none of the boys. That's none of them. Well, it didn't show, after three years, the experiment didn't show to like increase the grades of the mm-hmm. boys or girls. I think it actually decreased. The really? grades, yeah. And that was a failed experiment. But anyway, science, like in middle school, tests or studies have been shown that middle school is when girls lose interest in science. So they tried to make it more like hands-on and more fun, quote unquote. And we, I remember we created strawberry chapstick. I'm like, what am I going to do with this jelly chapstick? (laughs) But they they tried, bless their hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always been interested in science. See, that's what's interesting, because when I was working in schools, they would do a lot of things to try to get girls interested in, like, scientific pursuits, mm-hmm. and specifically in, like, things like coding. And I definitely think there's something cultural about girls not liking science. I think it's considered, like, a more masculine pursuit. I don't know why, but I think just because it's considered that, it might dissuade some girls from participating. So that's why having programs like Girls Who Code or like trying to get girls interested in science is important so that girls who are interested in it don't feel like they're weird because they are. Mm-hmm. But I also genuinely think that there is something associated with maybe it's brain structure, maybe it's neurochemical composition um, that makes girls more interested in doing jobs that aren't in the realm of science. Hmm. Not all of them, but just in general. To the point where you end up with more guys in science than you would girls. Yeah. Maybe the way it's taught is a turnoff to girls because it's so structured mm-hmm. and rigid and there's less room for like imagination. Like girls, I feel like in some ways girls can be more artistic and creative just because of how their brains work. And when you're learning about the scientific process, just like from the textbook, maybe that doesn't translate for a girl. Maybe they just have to do it. Because it's very structured. Yeah. I mean, that rule, the scientific process for me is kind of almost like it's a rule. Mm-hmm. And as long as things follow that rule, they can, they're worth a discussion. Mm. Otherwise, they're not. And so I think that excludes topics of conversation that might be difficult to apply the scientific process to that might be more interesting to girls like mm-hmm. social interactions 
or being like more compassionate caregivers. I definitely think there's something about being a woman that makes you more likely to want to be involved in more of like a caregiver role than the average man. Mm. Would you disagree with that? Yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> like not as an individual. I'm saying like if you took a thousand girls and you were to pluck one at random and a thousand boys or men mm-hmm. and you were to pluck one at random, more likely you would find this girl expressing higher levels of compassion, more uh, em- empathetic, way more concerned with maintaining um, positive social relationships. And I think there's a reason why, because girls make babies. So they're automatically, if you make a baby, which every girl that you've ever been related to before you has, otherwise mm-hmm. you wouldn't exist. Yeah. You you have that baby. It's yours. You should hopefully have a male of your species also associated with the raising of this child. But sometimes in the past, males have had, and in, in present, males have had the opportunity to dip set, mm-hmm. which is bad. But women very rarely have that opportunity. So it's been selected in the female, in females, because it makes them better moms. It makes you a better mom if you're more concerned with maintaining strong social relationships, holding things together, caregiving, intending. If you're, if you're, you're going to be a really shitty mom if you don't like looking after people. And if you're a really shitty, really shitty mom, you're not going to make babies that live to pass on your genes. Mm. So I think it makes sense that. That I don't think it's completely unrealistic to expect to see disparities between men and women in certain fields, which is why you see way more men and nurses and way more men, women teachers than you see men. Yeah. Is it passed down through our DNA or is it taught? Both. It's both for sure. It's, I feel like it's very taught. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like everything my mom tried to like, ingrained in me was related back to like having a baby Mm -hmm. and like you want to be gentle because babies need you to be gentle they're fragile but i could see how that does affect what you want to pursue as a as an adult like if you feel like you're good at something like something compassionate or empathetic like um a counselor or a teacher um then that would be something you gravitate towards Mm -hmm. And my argument would be that, like, in a group of a thousand men and a group of a thousand women, mm. there'd be more women who felt inclined to become social workers or teachers or nurses. And there'd just be more men who felt inclined to become mathematicians or physicists or computer programmers. And that shouldn't be bad, but we also need to make sure that any of those dudes that want to be teachers or nurses or social workers can and they face no discrimination and any of those chicks who want to become programmers or rocket scientists or physicists are able to do that and they feel no type of Mm. resistance in the process and that's not always the case i don't i think that's where we need to really be worried about Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily need to be worried so much about seeing the exact same numbers of dudes in nursing positions as we see women and the exact same number of mathematicians women mathematicians as we see men i don't think that that's a natural thing to expect yeah they just don't need to be like hindered from pursuing that like there there are connotations with each profession so like the dietetics field is predominantly women so the men that were in the program i think all of them that applied for an internship got it just because they want more 
diversity in that field. Um, so that's, I guess, an encouragement for like guys to get into that field, but it's not true for every profession. Yeah, but I would even worry about something like that because what if the pursuit of having more men in that field means that the overall level of care that's being given goes down because there were females in that group who would have done a better job Mm. in that role. There is that worry. And so, I mean, it's very complex Mm -hmm. and challenging to have those conversations. But in general, the reason that I would consider myself a feminist Mm. is because if I'm competing against a woman, Mm -hmm. I am going to, until I have a reason not to, I'm going to consider that woman as much competition as I would a man. Even like a hand-to-hand combat. Until I'm ob- until I, it's obvious that I'm significantly stronger than the this person that I'm facing, mm-hmm. there are girls who could beat the shit out of me. 100%. <laughs> I watch UFC. There are women on there who would fucking mop the floor with me. And until I know I'm not... If I happen to find myself like in the woods fighting over like a a bone mm-hmm. with a with a woman, until I know she's not one of those women that can beat the fuck out of me, <laughs> I'm gonna be very concerned about whether or not what my chances are of eating that bone are. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't like. So you you said earlier like feminism has been it's taken on all this negative these negative connotations, mm-hmm. and this is this is really interesting. This is something that's like a personal experience that I'm growing through. For a long time, I would have considered myself very progressive. I was a teacher. I worked at Starbucks, a bunch of gay people. A lot mm-hmm. of my friends are like homosexuals. So like that gave me that perspective. And so I think one thing that happens as you, you said this earlier, as you meet new people, as you have new experiences, mm-hmm. um, as you see different places, uh, you you tend to become more progressive because you start to see other people's point of views and you start to yep. be more concerned with other people's experiences and less concerned with your own very specific and unique experience. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older and become a little bit more well-informed, I've started to slide back in the other direction a little bit. I think in the process of becoming progressive, I picked up a lot of super useful and meaningful and important values about how to engage with other people and how to be compassionate and empathetic and caring but now I'm shifting back in the sense of, okay, like, so what is actually, can, what can, what can actually be accomplished? What things are we observing that seem to suggest inequality that's not actually true and we just need to forget about it and not address it because it's a waste of time? Kind of like what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's okay. If most women naturally want to become nurses, then it's okay to see more women nurses and see, and if most women naturally just want to become, naturally don't like computer programming, mm-hmm. which is seriously like a lot of just hyper-focus, ignoring everything that's going on around you, including your wife and your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the just in a perfectly equal world, the girls and women would be given the opportunity to find out if they like that or not. Yeah. And then decide for themselves, like have all the options and then be able to do what they want. Yeah. So what you're talking about there is equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome and how important equality of opportunity is, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily how important equality of outcome is. Mm -hmm. So equality of opportunity would say every girl who wants the opportunity to make it into a STEM field can if they want to. And they also even have the opportunity to realize that they want to. 
which I think is you were saying they might not have that. Yeah. They might not ever even get the chance to know they want to be a scientist. No. And that the same thing would be true with guys with more uh, traditionally like compassionate or caregiving yeah. roles and stuff like that. But we shouldn't expect equality of outcome because that would mean we, we see an equal number of men become nurses as women and the same number of men becoming programmers as women. Unrealistic expectation. Yeah, it just may not happen. But just having the opportunity. Like I had a kind of a life skills home ec class in high school and there were zero boys in it. Mm. Like it was all girls, but it was things that everybody needs to know how to do, like cook a meal, know how to sew, how to write a check, basic nutrition, like what a balanced meal looks like. Yeah, They usually just took like shop or something or an yeah. ag class, but that just might've been from a... Why do you think that was? Do you think it was cultural? Like this is the class the girls take and this is the class the boys take? Yeah, a little bit like that. But then I think they wanted to have those teachers too, like the the... The ag teacher and the shop teacher were both males, and they were looked up to in the school kind of just because they were the only males. Um, and then they also were perceived as having, like, a more laid-back class. Were they coaches, too? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah they were. <laughs> so, exactly. So, now then, so this actually brings up a good question. Like, mm -hmm. when you're dealing with such subtle reasons mm -hmm. for why people come to think the way that they think. So for example, like there might've been a dude in one of those shop classes who would really have enjoyed, what, what, what did you call it? Did you call it home ec? Uh, yeah, like life skills. Life skills. Mm -hmm. Who may have really enjoyed one of those life skills classes. And yeah. They may have really benefited from it a lot. But something as subtle as they wanted an easy dude teacher who they could joke around with and like yeah. cuss in front of yeah. becomes the reason that they take shop instead of life skills. And now that sets them off in a direction to where they value th those types of skills more now because they're they've learned they're, how to mm -hmm. do them and their all their friends are in those classes yeah. too like there's no other guy they would be looked at as the weird guy and that's what's so scary because i think and this is part of the reason why i'm shifting back towards a more conservative mm -hmm. viewpoint not to say that i'm conservative i still think i'm going to land left of center mm -hmm. um but it it it, it occurs to me that we can't legislate change as much as we'd like to because the, yeah. the the actual modus that gives us the result that we see of of maybe like slightly, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like bias. Um, what's the word that they use? For unintentional it? bias? Like implicit bias. No. Yeah, unintentional bias or implicit bias. The things that actually give us that implicit bias or those unintentional biases are so subtle and sometimes not even motivated by actual like concrete reasons. But yeah, or yeah. or and or, and those reasons might not be rooted back in like like a dislike for feminine things. It might not. That kid might have like, I really would love to take life skills. I'm interested in those things. Mm -hmm. but, but it's a choice. You can't. But take my both. friends are in this class. Yeah. yeah, I know every single boy in my class would have loved to make the dishes and the desserts that we made. Yeah, like, but they just didn't want to be in that class. Good to eat them. Mm -hmm. So then it. What I realize is a lot of the change that has to take place in our country has to do with person, taking personal responsibility mm -hmm. and actually choosing to participate in the way that we want everybody else to choose to. And then I've been so like then people fight so much on Facebook about like who they're voting for. And I'm like, the real reason that you guys are fighting is not because they're liberal and you're Democrat. The real reason you guys are fighting is because you took shop in high school and they took life skills. <laughs> Don't you see that? Like, you guys should just still be friends. Yeah. 
it's not at the end of the day it's not a big enough reason to lose your friends and family exactly and you're still friends yeah. with chris berry yeah he's a he's a fucking sexist racist asshole <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. That is not true. No. That is not, that is not true at all. <laughs> he is a very thoughtful person. He and is. He just likes to, he thinks of every kind of perspective that you could have. He likes to think things through in a anal attentive kind of way. He likes to play devil's advocate too. He does. He does do that. And he likes to be a contrarian. It's, Arguing can be fun yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's good to have a friend like that because I wouldn't, sometimes I wouldn't have thought about why I have a certain opinion about something like french fries. Yeah. <laughs> or what else is What's your opinion on french fries that's different than Chris's? Um, We're pretty similar actually. Oh, like, really? Yeah, different categories for like the Arby's and the Rally's fries as opposed to like McDonald's and Wendy's and uh, Five Guys. Yeah. I like... I like a McDonald's is like yeah third or fourth on the list. Mm-hmm. I like Wendy's because they're like thicker and they've they've got a good crunch to them still do. I'm surprised by that. Oh, well, if I were to have to rank my fries, uh-huh. I might have to put McDonald's at number one. Number one, but they have those ends that like jab your mouth. When they're done well, they might be my favorite fry. Okay, Rallies is up there too. I really enjoy Rallies fries. It's a different category because they're Stevens. You're right. And also, I really enjoy Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A but that's a different category, I feel like, because it's waffle. Fries. Yeah, that's true. It's, you really do have to take it that far. Have you ever had home fries? They're, I don't love a home fry. You don't love it? Okay. Like a sliced potato type home yeah. fry? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. love that. I miss it, like when it was like mostly oil from the fry <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of potato <laughs> with some ketchup. And I don't love a steak fry. I like to have a similar crust to potato yeah. ratio. If mm-hmm. the potato ratio becomes too high, your fry becomes mushy, and mm. then what the fuck? Yeah. Then what's even the point? What is the point? Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah, no, it's it's great to have people in your life that challenge, challenge you. the way you think. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, this has been mm-hmm. super fun, but let's wrap it up because I do have to pee. <laughs> okay. That's understandable. <laughs> so thank you so much for volunteering to do this. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was really fun. Yeah. If you... Uh, when this is done, I'll share it with you. Tell people about the podcast. Let people know what's going on. Will do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.